Blog Talk Radio. Loving the seat. That's where we be at. We be in the seat. Nah, nah, nah. I mean, like, yo, is anybody feeling y'all? Well, I, I think so. If they're smart. <laughs> I don't be knowing what to say to y'all. I don't, you know. Got the pear trees faking like a dogwood. The thunderstorms in the springtime, it's all good. And rappers killing it in the club, and can we brag now? Not black lives just had to die to get a flag down. And my rap is up the map of Southside Atlanta. Was just a Selma, 50 years marching Alabama. Was just in Columbus, Ohio, teaching little kids. South by Southwest and Austin, teaching sampling. That kind of colleges, I do a lot of interviews. And I'm making some nice figures like a gym or two. And like Sandra Bland, my band be changing lanes without a single at all. Now you want us to hang? You know some things are substantial, whether we're not financial. And playing us with other stuff way up on the mantle. So don't try to adjust your radio or change your channel. We take it down to glittery lights and just light a candle. Come on. He said, I don't see you at the club. I said, I don't see you at the bank. People got to live their life and do their... Welcome to the Michael M. Hotep Show right here on the Empowerment Radio Network with now just power. Well, we're on the Blog Talk Radio Network tonight. How's everybody doing tonight? Today is uh, Wednesday, April 19th, 2017, and we are live tonight. Wednesday, April 19th, 2017, and we are live tonight. And we're going to do a uh, simulcast at 8.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with the Source Nation. Uh, Source Nation, I'll be interviewed by Dr. Samori Swigert. Um, on uh, that network. So uh, we'll do a, a simulcast um, at uh, 8, 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, okay? And let's see, we're going to broadcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network also here in just a minute. I mean, uh, on Facebook Live. We're going to broadcast on Facebook Live also. So uh, let's get that fired up. Hope everybody's doing well today. We have a lot to talk about. We know that... Um, Bill O'Reilly parted ways with uh, Fox News today, and that's good news, definitely good news. Uh, Bill O'Reilly was the number one uh, uh, person in cable news. He had the uh, largest rated show uh, for years, something like 15 years uh, in cable news. So he and Fox News parted ways today. We'll talk some about that. We have the interview coming up at uh, 8, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Dr. Samori Swigert is uh, going to interview me uh, on the Source Nation. Uh, so we have that to look forward to. And then we did not get the chance to get to the story from last night. A drug lab scandal in Massachusetts results in more than 20,000 convictions, uh, 20,000 drug convictions being dropped. Okay. And w- 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 we're going to deal with... Uh, we're going to deal with that story because that is uh, that is extremely uh, extremely important. And then also we have to deal with this other story where uh, Attorney General uh, Jeff Sessions is uh, doing away with a commission. He's doing away with a commission that President Obama set up uh, to um, reduce the um, false convictions from bad forensic science. Okay. Uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions has made the decision to eliminate the National Commission on Forensic Sciences, NCFS. Uh, The commission was started 
uh, by President Obama in 2013 in partnership with the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, at the U.S. Department of Commerce to enhance the practice and improve the reliability of forensic science, to improve the reliability of forensic science, okay? And this was designed to uh, prevent false convictions, all different types of things like this. This is what this was designed to do. And Jeff Sessions is going to Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Please hold and you will be able to listen to the show. I find that very, very interesting. There's going to be things that you've never heard before. There's going to be things that you... I find that very interesting. ...knowledge about now. And he's going to take us on a nice trip. And I know that there's going to be... Okay, so... We're going to be going live. Uh, we're going to be connecting with the Sports Nation radio show, Dr. Samori Sackweiger, uh, at uh, 8, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so stand, stand by for that. Racial. So uh, we have to talk about the uh, the drug lab So we're going to really take a break, and I'd be remiss if I didn't take our sponsors. And then we so uh, also go have to uh, come right back, and we're going to be joined with Michael M. Hotep. We also so, have to deal with one of the And let me see. Scott Care Foundation, Urban Grandstand Digital, and Meet My Types Matchmaking. And also remember, you can call in and participate. This isn't a, a dictatorship here. where I dictate or you're shipped out. You can call in and participate. The number is 619 924 Okay. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of break. Now, we'll on the uh, Michael M. Hotel show, we focus, on, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. You're listening right live now, to The Pendant with Dr. Samori Swigert. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you have been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the comfort Source of his Radio Network is just one of the many platforms that is used to fulfill dreams of our listeners and create a purpose that will impact the lives of our community, city, and the world. It is often said that great things will happen when a group of driven people work together to accomplish one goal. We're giving people the opportunity to have a voice, translate words that haven't been heard, and paint pictures that no one has seen. Also put our radio network is fueling your life purpose. How can you listen? www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Now we have uh, online class coming up uh, tomorrow, 7 p.m. Sure. to 9 p.m. Humans can be a little weird at times, but take it from me, I'm a dog. And a person is about the best thing that can happen to a shelter pet. So if you want to learn how you can be that person, get down to your local pet shelter or visit the shelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. It's school. It's eight-hour court.
Welcome back, Source Nation. You're listening live to The Pendulum with Dr. Samori Swiger. Don't wait no for the bring me on the But that was during the Birmingham campaign. Okay. Nice couple. Nice. These are uh, couple. All right. The African symbol for uh, eternal Source life. Nation, welcome back once again. Thank you for tuning in. Today I told you that we have uh, we have very special, present, and very special person uh, with us today, um, and that brother is Michael Imhotep. Michael Imhotep is the founder of the African History Network. Uh, if you don't know, um, he has um, amassed a massive following uh, on Facebook. Uh, 
it may be over a million followers now. I'm not sure. I know it was like 900-something thousand um, a while ago. Um, but it's because he is constantly posting relevant material, relevant history, rare history, the oddities, the things that are kept hidden from us. You know, he's unearthing this stuff and he's putting it out there. So people are constantly coming to that page and getting themselves informed. And so uh, whenever you have a chance to either be at a, a, a lecture that he's hosting or you get a chance to look at some of the DVDs that he puts together for you, so much good information, so much good data, um, and he does his homework. He fact-checks everything. And so this is what you need. When you're out here in the streets in these days and times, you need to have the right mind, right body. And so um, with that said, I want to make sure that I bring this brother in with much fanfare. Michael Imhotep, how you doing, good brother? Unmuted. I'm all right, Dr. Samori Swigert. How you doing today, brother? Oh, man, I'm doing good, man, doing good. Glad, glad to know that you are um, going to be able to have this conversation, man. You know, I was like, there's so many different things that are going on uh, in the world right now. It's such a dynamic time. Um, that sometimes we need people that can kind of line things up. They can put it in place in a clear picture for people to see a lot of things. Um, you're one of those people that I know stays on beat, constantly stays in the news, and also has a big foot uh, when it comes to historical perspective. Um, so it was it was good when I knew that you were going to uh, sign on for this. But before we go any further, can you just tell people a little bit about yourself and how they can reach you? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, I'm the founder of the African History Network, host of uh, the uh, African History Network show on 910 AM, the Superstation in Detroit, WFDN, uh, WFDF, I should say, uh, also the host of the Michael M. Hotep show. Uh, on the Empowerment Radio Network. We also broadcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network. I'm actually broadcasting on my uh, Blog Talk Radio channel right now, and I'm broadcasting on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. So we have uh, 970,000 followers on our Facebook fan page. Uh, I started this fan page back in January 2010. And uh, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world uh, because right now it's correct your own behavior. Uh, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. Uh, what you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself, and what you've been taught about yourself is uh, based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So, uh, you know, I deal with, uh, I'm a talk show host, researcher, lecturer, and writer. Uh, I deal with current events, deal with history, uh, deal with economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, uh, deal with a number of different topics, I'm also in a few documentaries, um, uh, Resurrecting Black Wall Street, The Blueprint from uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins in Your Black World Films and director Dorian Chandler. I'm in the uh, Black Friday films from director Rick Mathis, Black Friday, What Legacy Will You Leave? Um, in the next few months, probably the next two or three months, uh, director Raheem Shabazz is releasing the last installment of um, Elementary Genocide. So I'll be in Elementary Genocide Part 3. Um, so yeah, mm. you know, we, we do a lot, brother. We do a lot. Mm. All right, people. Y'all, y'all hear that? Y'all hear that? Yeah, we had, um, we were, we had a discussion with, um, Raheem Shabazz. It was, uh, two Wednesdays ago. Man. It, was, it was very good. Very good discussion. So, um, I'm just going, I'm just going to just 
rattle off a few names and issues, and I'll let you double dutch in where you kind of want to find your footing. But I'm, I'm going to start saying some names and, and things. Steve Bannon, Michael Flynn, Betsy DeVoe, Bill well, we can start with, we can start with Steve Bannon. Uh-huh, go we ahead. Can start with we can start with Steve Bannon, white supremacist, white nationalist, co-founder of Breitbart News, who Steve Bannon said is the home of the alt-right. He was brought on the Donald Trump's campaign in August of 2016 to be his, his campaign CEO after Paul Manafort uh, resigned because uh, there, was invest- there, there was too many articles about Paul Manafort's uh, re- relationship with the Ukraine and with uh, Russia, things like this. Uh, Steve Bannon is always he, Steve Bannon is the, uh, Donald Trump's chief strategist and Steve Bannon uh, becoming the chief strategist and in the White House every day in the ear of Donald Trump, who I call the Manchurian candidate. He's not my president. He's a fraud. But, 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 but Steve Bannon being made chief strategist legitimatized white supremacy and the alt-right, which, is, which was a term coined by Richard Spencer, who was the founder of the National Policy mm-hmm. Institute. Okay, And um, so Steve Bannon is really bad news. And for all the people who went around quoting information from the conspiracy theory film uh, Clinton Cash, Steve Bannon was the co-producer mm-hmm. of Clinton Cash. People need to go research who mm. put that documentary out. It was Breitbart News who put the documentary Clinton Cash out. This is why people need to do mm. research. Right. Mm. Mm. Okay, okay. Uh, let uh, me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Uh, uh, what, do you, what do you think about Betsy DeVos? Well, Betsy DeVos is a billionaire. She's totally uh, unqualified for the position of Secretary of Education. I live in Detroit, lived in Detroit all my life. Uh, Betsy DeVos and her husband, Dick DeVos, uh, have helped to destroy public education in the city of Detroit. They're strong advocates of uh, charter schools uh, and the privatization of, you know, the charter schools, things like this. And with that, Mm -hmm. the the improvement of the quality of education uh, does not go up, but they're trying to privatize everything, privatize contracts. Um, you see during the confirmation hearings, basic things regarding education. She was totally clueless on, um, and she's never mm-hmm. been a member of TA. She's never been a teacher. She's never been involved uh, really in public education. She's not an advocate for public education. So she is just like Scott Pruitt, who's head of the EPA. Um, um, just like, yeah, Scott Pruitt is head of the EPA. Uh, just like uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Rick Perry, who's head of the uh, uh, um, uh, Energy Department. Uh, Donald Trump is putting these people in place who are at odds with these de- departments they are over to destroy these departments. And this is an example right. of how... This is an example of how elections have consequences, and this is not about people's personalities, it's about their policies. And this is a mistake that many African Americans made in this last election. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you this question, too, um, because I know I listen to uh, your show a couple times. Whenever I, whenever I have a chance to, you know, I listen to it. Um, and it was this one time you had uh, Dr. Claude Anderson on, and you guys were discussing uh, reparations and um, the Indian trees and, and the things that 
would be required. Um, can you fill the audience in on, you know, that discussion? And then at the same time, um, people have this idea of reparations. Some people just think of it as, oh, well, you know, I just want to get my money. And, it, you know, it's so much more to reparations. And then under this administration and how much of a long haul of a fight uh, this can possibly be. Uh, so can you speak to that? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dr. Claude Anderson is one of my teachers. He's the author of Black Label, White Wealth. He's the author of Poweronomics and uh, Dirty Little Secrets about Black, about Black History, Volume 1 and 2. Uh, we're both in the Black Friday documentaries together as well. And uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins, who's a mutual friend of uh, yours and mine, as well as Dr. Anderson. Uh, he, uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins has a new film coming out. He just interviewed Dr. Anderson today. Uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins, mm-hmm. uh, they put the video on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network. So Dr. Anderson is a strong advocate of economic empowerment for black people or African-Americans, even though he doesn't like that term. Um, But we talked about the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866, the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866. And people can go to his website, harvestinstitute.org, harvest, H-A-R, B-E-S-T, harvestinstitute.org, and get more information. They have an article around the homepage about the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866. So this is our best chance to get any type of reparations. Now, I don't like using that term reparations, and the reason why is because if you understand verbal martial arts and if you understand white supremacy, then you're using terms that inflame the opposition, and they totally shut down your argument before you get a chance to make it. So this is why I try to explain to people, do you want to win or do you want to keep fighting? Do you want to win or do you want to keep fighting? Because if you want to win, you, you would choose a strategy that will take you to a destination of actually winning as opposed to a strategy that just keeps you fighting. Okay. So what happened was uh, we know the Civil War is from 1861 to 1865. And um, we know that um, the Civil War ends in June of 1865. You have the 13th Amendment of uh, uh, ratified December 6, 1865 and adopted December 18, 1865. What a lot of people don't know is that all five civilized tribes are Native Americans, the Choctaw, Chickasaw, Creek, Cherokee, and Seminole Indians, the Choctaw, Chickasaw, Creek, Cherokee, and Seminole Indians, all five so-called civilized tribes and Native Americans own black slaves. So when they get pushed off their land uh, in 1830 because of the Indian Removal Act, signed in the law by President uh, Andrew Jackson. They all, they all get pushed out west, and they go over 1,000 miles, and they go into Oklahoma, what's known as the Trail of Tears, okay? And uh, they take their black slaves with them also, okay? They take their black slaves with them, and you're going to have the Creek who go into Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tulsa is, uh, was founded by Creek Indians around 1836. Tulsa comes from the Creek Indian word, Tulasi, and the, and the Creek are taken mm. there, African slaves into Tulsa, Oklahoma with them, right? So at the end of, during the Civil War, these five civilized tribes and Native Americans fight on behalf of the South to keep slavery intact because they don't want to give up their slaves. Well, when they do this, they violate their treaties with the Union because there were clauses in their treaties that stated that they could never take up arms against the Union. Well, when they side with the South and the South succeeds from the Union, the North, they violate these treaties. So prior to prior to the Civil War, you had what were called Indian territories. Indian territories like uh, Oklahoma was not did not become a state in the Union until 1907. 
that was an Indian territory. After the Civil War, the Union is going to take this land back from Native Americans and put them on what's called Indian reservations. Okay, and they're going to have these treaties. And one of the things these treaties stipulated was that they had to turn the slaves loose. Um, they uh, they gave them uh, free land. Uh, they gave them um, uh, finance. They gave them free fin- uh, f- uh, financial aid each year. All different types of benefits, right? But also those benefits extended to the slaves that they owned and to the former slaves who were in those territories. And, the, and these former slaves became known as, as the black freedmen. Okay, and it also and these and this and these uh, these benefits also extended to the descendants of the black freedmen. So they got something like 160 acres of land per head of household, and you know they would get money, and and even some other ones besides head of households got land. Talking about African Americans, okay. So what's going to happen is is that by 1941, uh, the U.S. government conspires with the five civilized tribes of Native Americans to redefine what a Native American is. And this is when they uh, stipulated that you needed one quarter or one quantum Native American blood, okay, to be Native American and get these benefits. But the original treaties didn't state that, okay? So you, so we got, many of our ancestors were in those treaties getting benefits, okay, but they got illegally pushed out of it. Now, these treaties are still on the books today, and these five civilized tribes and Native Americans are still getting benefits. They give free college tuition. They give free radio station licenses, TV station licenses, free casino licenses. They get uh, billions of dollars each year in, in money, okay? They, they're still, they get uh, uh, land allocated to them. They're still getting these benefits. But many, but, 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 uh, many uh, African people, many black people whose ancestors were in those treaties, we got pushed out of them, and many of us don't know anything about this. So if you're going to fight for something, we should be fighting to enforce the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866. Number one, that's law that's still in the books today. Okay, reparations for former slaves is not law still in the books today. And 40 acres in the mule only applied to uh, the state of Georgia and part of another state, if I remember correctly. That was General Order Number 15 in 1865. That did not apply to all all former slaves. Okay, 40 acres in the mule. Okay. So if you're going to so if you're going to fight for something, it makes sense to fight for laws that are on the books right now because H.R. 40, which was introduced by our congressman, uh, John Conyers, back in 1989, mm-hmm. that hasn't, gone, that hasn't yeah. gone anywhere in 26 years. That, that bill was introduced in 1989. It hasn't gone anywhere in 26 years, and that's not even a reparations bill because if you actually read it, and I'll wrap up with this, if you actually read it, that is a reparations study bill. That is a bill... Right. To Congress to to fund a seven year study to study slavery and the impacts of slavery and how to distribute reparations, but it's not a reparations bill. It's a reparations study bill. So thinking logically, my question would be: if you can't get a rep- if you can't get a bill passed to study reparations, how are you going to get a bill passed to pay reparations? Right, right, right. Very true. Very true. Very true. I, I'm going to ask this question on it. I just just listening to you uh, break all of that down. So, um, let's say you were a descendant of a freedman that was, you know, under the Indians, um, right? Uh, how would you how would you go about? You would have to prove that you were a descendant of one of the freedmen in order to to receive the reparations if they even decide to honor that? 
yeah, uh, uh, from what I know, you want to get um, look at your family tree, get together your, your ancestral information, any do- any type of documentation, because some of our ancestors were members of Native American tribes, and they and they have their papers, things like that. You want to get that information together, and then also if you go to harvestinstitute.org, harvest institute.org, which is one of Dr. Carl Anderson's websites. Uh, He has information there about it, and they had a lawsuit against the federal government, okay, uh, to enforce the Black Freedmen Indian Treaties of 1866. He had a lawsuit since 2006. Now, September 3rd, September 30th of 2016, his wife, uh, Dr. Joanne Anderson, sent out a press release, and uh, blacknews.com picked it up, and it talked about how the Obama administration uh, settled uh, a $492 million lawsuit with different Native American tribes, but the um, lawsuit from the Black Freedmen Indian Treaty, from the Black, but from the Black Freedmen, the lawsuit from the Black Freedmen was not included in that settlement. And I interviewed Dr. Anderson about this in February, February of this year, 2017. And um, he said the reason why it was able to be denied was because there wasn't a massive uh, uh, mobilization among black people to enforce it. So since most of us didn't know about it, yeah, it could just be it could just be denied and nothing happens. Right, right, right. That's something that I well, let me do this real quick. Um, if you're just tuning in, Source Nation, this is Dr. Moore Swagger. This is the Pendulum, and we're having a discussion with Michael M. Hotep. He is an educator, a historian, a lecturer. He's a writer. He gives his lectures. He puts together informative DVDs on African history. He gets you politically astute to what's happening with the signs of the times and the current situation that we're in now, and a whole host of other things. He's the founder of the African History Network. You can find that on Facebook, the African History Network, um, and you can check him out. He also has a radio show, but I also let him plug himself. We'll get a little further into the show. Now, um, now, you know, with with all this being said, you know, and I'm thinking back to um, a statement you made earlier, which is very important. You said elections have consequences, and November next year is going to be the midterm elections. Um, and with that, there are about 435 seats in the United House of Representatives, um, 34 uh, of the 100 in the United States Senate, that are just slated to be contested. You've got governorships and all that that are all to be contested. What do you what do you think should be a game plan for African Americans or just Americans in general? Because I know a lot of people probably were slighted this election, but now this is a time for you to really you know, we typically when we think of African Americans, you know, it's like we cast up out for the presidential election and we kind of coast. Um, do you think that Trump being the president now, do you think that has ruffled the feathers and kind of, you know, hit the alarm button for people to really participate in the midterm elections? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, November 6, 2018, mid, uh, midterm elections. You are correct, 435 seats in the U.S. House of Representatives. All the seats in the U.S. House of Representatives are open. Um, you have uh, 34, 35 seats in the U.S. Senate out of 100 that are open. Yes, elections have consequences because the, the mistake people make is they get caught up in personality and don't focus on the policies that the, that the prospective elected official is pushing. And, these, and, and, and two main ways to understand what politics are. Number one, politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. The legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. Number two, politics is, politics is the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. The writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, and, and treaties, um, the, uh, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. So, yeah, you have a lot of people galvanized for midterm elections, because uh, from looking at the uh, senatorial confirmation hearings of Betsy DeVos, of, um, of Attorney mm-hmm. General Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General is mm-hmm. huge for African-Americans, okay? Uh, people are realizing mm-hmm. how, important, how important the U.S. Senate is when you look at uh, the U.S. House Intel uh, Committee investigating the ties between the Donald Trump campaign and Russia. People are realizing how important uh, the U.S. House of Representatives are as well. And you have a whole movement across the country uh, of people galvanized by the document uh, Indivisible. Uh, go to IndivisibleGuide.com, IndivisibleGuide.com. You have uh, hundreds of thousands of people across the country who've organized in just a few months. And um, uh, January 21st, when you had the uh, protests all across the country, protesting the inauguration of uh, Donald Trump, a lot of people who were at those protests, you had a million people in uh, Washington, D.C. alone. A lot of those people organized based upon this document. And this document was put together by former congressional staffers. Uh, and what they did was they analyzed the methods that the Tea Party used to fight against uh, President Barack Obama. And they've crafted these strategies to fight against Donald Trump. Okay? It's a free document. Mm. People can download, go to Indivisible guide guide.com when we just saw the massive uprising behind the repeal of the affordable care act many of those organizations many of those people who were out protesting were organizing based upon that document and what it does is it teaches you how to engage with your member of the u.s house of representative how to engage with your member of the u.s uh senate and to get results and to push your issues okay so people are uh understanding how important midterm elections are, but they're also understanding the consequences of not voting for president and and also not do, and not reading the policies. Because if you read Donald Trump's policies on his website during the election, you could see this stuff coming. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't read his policies. Mm-hmm. I also read Hillary Clinton's. I also read Hillary Clinton's about thirty six policies. Her policies were much better than Donald Trump, especially for African Americans. She had $25 billion mm-hmm. uh, to help fund HBCUs and, and uh, uh, institutions that serve so-called minorities. She had $5 billion set aside for prison reentry. Um, that she adopted the fight for 15, which that one policy could help lift millions of African-Americans out of poverty because about 70% of African-American households are headed by a single female. And the average African-American woman makes 63 cents for every dollar that, that the average white male makes. That one policy right there could lift millions of African-Americans out of poverty. So, um, yeah, there's an awakening. There's an awakening taking place. Now, when it comes to African-Americans, I, I encourage us to download the uh, agenda that was just uh, put together by the Congressional Black Caucus called We Have a Lot to Lose. 
we have a lot to lose. Mm. Um, uh, it's a 125-page agenda that they presented to uh, Donald Trump and others when they met uh, back, uh, I think it was March 22nd, they met. It's called We Have a Lot to Lose, Solutions to Advance Black Families in the 21st Century. And you could go to cbc.house.gov and download it, cbc.house.gov. Or you can go to Roland Martin's website, rolandsmartin.com, rolandsmartin.com, and download it. Because I downloaded it. I, I got it printed up, and um, I, I went to the printer and printed it up. And uh, I'm going through studying it. And what they do, first off, they lay out the history of African Americans to explain how we got into this predicament. And then they, and then they lay out the issues that we're dealing with, everything from education to um, uh, pay inequities to uh, – uh, racism, discrimination, all different types of things like this. They, 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 they adequately lay out the issues that we're dealing with. And then they lay out solutions based upon facts to remedy these issues, these problems that we're dealing with. You know, they deal with voting rights, criminal justice reform, mm-hmm. economic justice, education, health care, a number of different issues. But they, they, but they did their homework on this. And this provides an agenda that every African-American organization across the country, whether you're a block club, chapter in NAACP, chapter of Black Lives Matter, uh, Black, uh, 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 Black Panther Party, there are elements in here that you can take to form a powerful founda- uh, a powerful agenda, and you push this agenda on a local, state, and national level. It's not just to the White House. It's a local, state, and, la- and national level. Mm-hmm. Okay. Powerful, brother. Very informative. Repeat that website again. It was the cbc.gov. Say what was it again? Yeah, cbc.house.gov. cbc.house.gov. Mm, thank you for that. I'm going to check that one out myself. You know, now I want to ask you another thing, too, um, because this, this issue was right on the exit of um, President Barack Obama. When he was leaving, this was a big, hot topic. And it was hot topic when Trump came in office and then Trump did his executive orders, and after that it just died down. And that's the issue of Standing Rock. But not just Standing Rock in itself, but I want to know your, your take. What does activism and protest look like in this technologically sophisticated 21st century state-of-the-art police state surveillance and militarism. Is it marching? Is it, you can think of like, oh, protests, getting our streets, Martin Luther King, you know, Ralph Abernathy, and we're going to march, you know, they sick dogs, and it's like, no, they don't have dogs. They have something else that begins to be. It's called a drone. Um, they don't necessarily just have nightsticks. They've got tasers, and they've got all, you know, just everything has kind of uh, amplified everything to kind of keep you uh, oppressed. What does activism and protest look like to you in this in the right. 21st century? Sure, sure. Well, uh, activism still includes mass protests, still includes marches, mm-hmm. and includes a strategy. Mass protests and marches are not a plan. They are tactics to be used in a plan. And this is one of the mistakes mm-hmm. people make. A lot of people look at a lot of people haven't really studied Dr. King and don't understand that the mass protests were designed to draw attention to the problem, to inform people about the problem, galvanize support 
so that you can incorporate people into your plan. And they had the mass protest to put them in a position to be able to meet with the politicians, to be able to meet with the decision makers to actually push their agenda. And along with the protests went economic boycotts. Okay, we just uh, April 16th was just the anniversary of the uh, uh, Dr. King writing his uh, letter from a Birmingham jail letter from a Birmingham jail. He wrote that April 16th, 1963, 7000 word letter he wrote while he was uh, in jail. He was arrested during the Birmingham campaign. And they had and, 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 and this was in Birmingham, Alabama, and this campaign was designed to uh, uh, break the back of segregation in Birmingham. And you had economic boycotts. You had uh, the downtown business district. You had sit ins going on, all this stuff taking place at the same mm-hmm. time. So when we look at when we look at what other people are doing, if you look at uh, just this past Saturday, you had massive protests all across the country. People protesting oh, the man that yeah, releases taxes, which he's not going to do because he doesn't want to show he's in debt to Russia. Okay, he doesn't he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to do that. Um, so people are using mass protests. We saw uh, uh, each Tuesday people were protesting outside of their member of the U.S. House of Representatives and U.S. Senate uh, uh, offices, things like this. We saw uh, January 21st. We saw mass protests across the country and around the world. Okay, yeah, like four million people around the world protesting uh, the election of Donald Trump. So mass protest is part of it. The other part is galvanizing your, your, your economic power and redistributing the pain. What Dr. King taught us, uh, April 3rd, 1968 in his last speech, I've been to the mountaintop. He said that he said, we have yes. to always, anchor, always anchor our external direct action with the power of economic withdrawal. He said, we have to always anchor our external direct action with the power of economic withdrawal. And what this means is that when you have mass protests, you also have to have targeted, sustained economic boycotts against your opponent, okay, yes. to, to yes. financially weaken them and put pressure on them so you could push their agenda. So if we just look at what happened today with Bill O'Reilly, okay, Bill O'Reilly has had the number one rated uh, talk show in cable news for about 15 years. He was the golden boy of Fox News. Mm-hmm. They parted ways with him today yep. because, because over 80 advertisers – uh, pulled ads from his show. Find pressure was put on them by organizations like ColorChange.org. Uh, you had people contacting them. You had customers, things like this, contacting them, putting economic pressure on them, on these advertisers. Okay, and they withdrew economic support from Bill O'Reilly. All right. So uh, other people understand this. You could just you could look what just happened in North Carolina, but behind the North Carolina uh, transgender bathroom bill. Um, they they, oh, they yeah, changed the bill. Yeah. Well, they changed the bill because they lost three point seven billion dollars in revenue coming into North Carolina. Okay, and because of, and because of different corporations, you had over two hundred fifty businesses and corporations that uh, either had economic uh, uh, withdrawal of the state of North Carolina, or they were expressing extreme concern, different things like this. But they lost so much money. That they had to change the law. Now, some people said the change in the law didn't go far enough, but it went further than the previous law. But this is the power of economic right. withdrawal. So, 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 first of all, we have to. Uh, you mass mobilization is good. Using social media, uh, uh, Twitter and Facebook, things like this is good. It's all part of a strategy, okay? But uh, mm-hmm. you, we have to we have to institute targeted, sustained economic boycotts more. And uh, I encourage people to download the uh, agenda from the Congressional Black Caucus. We have a lot to lose. Go to cbc.house.gov, 
cbc.house.gov because this is all part of a strategy. But the foundation has to be African history and culture because it's African history and culture that gives you your VIPs, your values, your interests, and your principles, your values, interests, and principles. So if if what you value is trying to consume your way to equality by buying what white folks are trying to sell you, you won't be able to fight against them and, with, and withdraw economic support from them. Say it one more time. Say, say, say that one more time. Please. Well, what, happen, what, what happens is if you are trying to consume your way to equality because you value so much what Europeans are trying to sell to you, then you won't withdraw economic support from them because you value what they're trying to sell to you more than you value yourself and the future of your children. This is, this is why the foundation yeah. has to be African history and culture. It gives you your values, your interests, and your principles. As Dr. Leonard Jeffries and Professor James Small, two of my teachers, teach us. Your, your history and culture give you your values, your interests, and your principles, and they influence your economic empowerment and your political empowerment. If that foundation is not in place, you, you can spend, it doesn't matter how much money you have, we spend 97% of our dollars with people that don't look like us, and we have an annual income of $1.3 trillion, okay? So you can never control your economics until you control your mind. Stephen Biko, one of our great South African freedom fighters, he said the most potent weapon mm. in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. The most mind. potent weapon That's right. in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. Yes. That's right. That, Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't step away with Anything. What Brother Imhotep just dropped, what he just dropped right there is key. One of the hardest things that I see, we, you know, we, we see our people getting slaughtered in the streets, and then, you know, we, have, we go through this cycle. We get angry. We post so much on, on our social media page. Some of us may get in the streets. Some of us may organize for a little bit, but we don't have that kingdom that sustained force when it comes to boycotting it's like well we have every reason we can come up with every reason to well you know Walmart didn't uh, you know I just got to go to Walmart I just, I just got to go to Target I just got to go to we find every reason to spend rather than not to spend and if we were to really think like like you said was putting African values interests and principles first think about the impact Real, real quick, something that just recently happened. You can look at United Airlines. When that whole thing happened and when United first, the uh, was, was the uh, CEO or the, um, one, one of the executives uh, or the board of directors, he was doubling down on his speech uh, that the, the, the officers were correct in what they did, X, Y, and Z. He was not forgiving to that man, but what happened? It was the next day or the day after. I think they lost almost. It was well over five hundred million dollars. Um, their their stocks went down. Uh, I think it might have been almost six hundred million dollars went down. Well, what, what, what the first day, look, you know, Yeah, they lost three hundred mm-hmm. by the end of the end of the day of trading. They lost three hundred million. Um, what 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 happened was Munoz, uh, um, um, Munoz, I think is the CEO's last name uh, of United Airlines. Uh, it took him three tries. Mm-hmm. Uh, to three statements to actually get it right. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, first he sided with the uh, aviation uh, uh, police, uh, but there was so much outcry. This, and people have to understand this, this video went viral internationally because you had Chinese mm-hmm. 
who, who were posting on social yep. media about it, who were afraid to come to the U.S. Because you have to understand, mm-hmm. this, this, was also, this also took place in an anti-immigrant atmosphere heavily created mm. by Donald Trump. This took place in an mm. anti-immigrant atmosphere heavily created by Donald Trump, and this went all around the world, okay? And as you he was had, trying to conduct, as he's trying to conduct relations with China, at that. Exactly, exactly. As he's trying to uh, conduct relations with China, and we saw him flip flop on his stance that China was involved in currently currency manipulation. We saw in two days he flip flopped on six different uh, platforms uh, from his from his campaign. Mm-hmm. But he's a pathological liar. This is this is what he does. He's a pathological liar. He had no clue what he was talking about for the most part during the campaign. So, um, what we really have to do is really pay attention to how other people fight for their issues. Because a lot of people Mm -hmm. learn from us, the mass mobilization, the economic boycott. A lot of people learn from us and the civil rights movement. But since so many of our people don't understand our history, we don't, we don't understand how we used to fight and engage. Okay. And a lot of, and and, Mm. and other people adopted a lot of those strategies. If you go and look at uh, back in March of 2015, when Governor Mike Pence at the time signed into law the Indiana Religious Freedom Law, once he did that, you had all these protests from corporations, NCAA, Angie's List, Apple, Salesforce.com. You had corporations saying that they were going to uh, stop doing business or, or, uh, or, or stop a new expansion in Indiana. You had nine conventions that were supposed to take place in the state of Indiana. They threatened to cancel. One of them did cancel. It cost the state of Indiana $500,000. In a little more than a week, they changed the bill. In a little more than a week, because of the economic pressure, because of the exposure in the media, State legislature in Indiana changed that bill, and Governor Mike Pence signed the new bill into law in a little more than a week. Okay? So we really have to pay attention. And this is what happens when other people, when people value themselves and the future of their children more than what's trying to be sold. This this is what happens. Right. 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 Okay. Uh, Brother Imhotep, there are... There's some man. We can go on for days. Um, I want to hit two, maybe two, maybe three more uh, issues. If we can just go in there, you know, pensive and and direct. Um, so I want to get these in. Um, I'm kind of leery and I'm fearful about the state of our HBCUs. You know, where we see the fallouts at Howard University, we see the fallouts uh, down in Morehouse. Uh, we've seen what happened with Morris Brown, stuff like that. What's your take on um, some of what's happening now here with these HBCUs? Um, I think you're, you're a graduate of HBCU, right? No, I'm a graduate of uh, Wayne State University, predominantly white institution oh, okay. in, uh, in okay. Detroit. But, but I understand the importance of HBCUs. Mm-hmm. So our, H- our HBCUs need continued support. They need more support. Roland Martin just interviewed uh, 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 Dr. Frederick, uh, the I think it's Dr. Frederick, the president of Howard mm-hmm. University. Howard. This morning, yeah, this morning on News One Now uh, with Roland Martin. Uh, and once again, this is an example of how elections have consequences and how we need to uh, read the policies. Now, 
Donald Trump during the campaign talked very spoke very little, if any, about HBCUs. He didn't talk about a plan to fund HBCUs. Hillary Clinton had a plan uh, to uh, fund HBCUs and other uh, institutions that serve uh, so-called minorities, $25 billion, okay? Donald Trump didn't talk about that. So he meets with, um, last month he met with the uh, about 60-plus presidents of HBCUs, had a photo out with them. They went there for business. He had other intentions. Then when his budget comes out, there's no increase in funding for HBCUs, okay? And, and, and if I remember correctly, his budget wanted to cut, in general, Pell Grants by $4 billion. Well, Pell Grants was one of the things that they went to the White House for, and they met with Governor Mike Pence and others, and they were on Capitol Hill, put advocating for HBCUs, advocating for more funding, okay? Um, Pell Grants are extremely important. Why? Number one, you don't have to pay Pell Grants back, okay? Number two, uh, 60, 62% of African Americans who go to college go on Pell Grants. 73% of African Americans who go to HBCUs go on Pell Grants, okay? And, and, when, and one of the things that they wanted to do was not just increase the amount of funding for Pell Grants, they also wanted to restore funding Pell Grants year-round. So why is this important? The reason why this is important is because if you can go to school during the spring and summer session on Pell Grants, Generally, you can get out of school faster and, re, and, and reduce overall college debt. Okay, so mm-hmm. we know that. So we know that African Americans carry uh, college debt further into their lives. About fifty-four percent of African Americans between the ages of twenty-five and forty have student loans, compared to thirty-nine percent of white mm-hmm. Americans between twenty-five and forty. So when you can re, when you can increase the amount of Pell grants and and, and they can go to school year-round, take out Pell Grants, you can also help reduce the racial wealth gap as well. So these are the type of policies right. they were going to, to push and advocate for. Okay? So, so, and once again, politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources. Okay? So th- this is why this is so important. So with, with HBCUs, they need uh, – uh, uh, President Frederick talked about how uh, they – when he became president of Howard – uh, undergraduate donations were 3.5%. Uh, now they are at 10%, approaching 12%. And um, so those who graduated have to support, those who don't graduate have to support, but we also have to advocate at the national level when it comes to the House of Representatives and the presidency because the president drafts his budget, it gets approved and altered by the Congress. And and, and this is a redistribution of resources for funding for HBCUs, but also endowments for HBCUs. Another thing they were there trying yeah. to get are, are more grants when it comes more research grants, because research grants help fund HBCUs also, just like they fund white colleges. That's research right. grants, yeah. yeah. That's right. So this is all this is all right. extremely extremely important, and we know overall African Americans who have four year college degrees have half the unemployment rate of African Americans who don't. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to um, – I told you that Michael M. Otep is the founder of the African History Network um, on Facebook, and, you know, hopefully um, Michael do this. Um, I was browsing this page. It may have been um, two weeks ago. What we're talking about right now with HBCUs, he posted a clip of 
Dr. Wilma Leon and Dr. Boyce Watkins, and they were talking about this HBCU problem, and they were comparing the endowments of our HBCUs versus these Ivy Leagues, and it's ridiculous. Like, I think Harvard has something like $35 billion, and Howard, it was some – it wasn't even a billion. It wasn't even a billion. It was like some hundreds of millions. And so when you look at that, these are pennies in the buckets. We have to do our maintenance and our upkeep with our universities. This is serious. It's very important. All right. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Um, Michael, you can uh, re-upload that again on your page because it was important. When I saw it, I was just like, wow. Like, I contribute regularly because, you know, I'm a graduate of Hampton and Howard. I contribute regularly Excellent. to both institutions. But when I, see, when I saw that and I saw uh, Dr. Leon and Dr. Watkins breaking down, I was just like, you know, it just I almost felt discouraged in a way because I was just like, man, this is – this is a, I mean, a real uphill battle when you do the numbers, you know. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, a lot of our people now, don't. Yeah, a lot of our people don't understand how that works, and don't understand once again, you're dealing with the reallocation of scarce wealth, power, and resources, and other people understand how the game is played, and we don't. And this is what we're dealing with. Right. Right. Okay, I'm gonna. You have a little. You have a little extra time, maybe like a uh, ten minutes, or do you have? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's fine. We go ahead because I'm I'm broadcasting okay, okay. on Monday, so that's cool. And people can also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Um, live, we have video clips there, recommended reading list of books, all of my DVD lectures are there also, and then also you can register for our online classes. We have one uh, tomorrow, um, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School, and this is a a four-week course, eight hours, um, so you can register for that. And it's all recorded, so if you miss any of it, you can go back and watch it as well. It's an online course. You can tune in from around the world. Mm. And they can also get the newsletter too, right, because you shoot out a newsletter, right? Yeah, we do also, absolutely. Yep, you can uh, register for mm-hmm. that at our website also. Okay, all right. Um, now, there, there, there's, uh, I want to touch down on these two uh, before we you know, conclude. Now, Whew. These 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 two things are kind of major. Um, one, I think people know it's major, but they kind of brush to the back of their mind. But I want to get your thoughts on this: the deaths, the mysterious deaths of two black judges. You had uh, it was a uh, a black female um, Muslim judge in New York, and I believe it was a black male judge in Chicago. I believe. Uh, am I right yeah. or am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, I think it was in Chicago. Well, what, what, what's yeah. your take on that? Do you think Do you think this is like uh, foul play and sabotage? And did they probably have some interesting cases coming up, or do you think this is just like they said? I think for the for the sister, I believe they said they're trying to say it was suicide. I don't know. What, what's your take on it? Uh, well, for her, at first they were thinking of suicide, but now I think they suspect foul play with her. If I remember correctly, uh, with the um, with the brother, uh, I don't know. I'm one. I like to get the facts. Everybody wants to go with conspiracy theories, things like this. Um, and uh, let me just say this for a minute. You know, the the people who just come up with conspiracy theories for everything really do us a disservice 
because mm-hmm. everything to them is a conspiracy theory, and conspiracy theories become an excuse for black people not to do anything about their conditions because everything is a conspiracy. Mm-hmm. These same people who keep coming mm-hmm. up with these conspiracy theories don't ever talk about what to do to solve the problems in the African-American community. They just keep coming up with conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. So, so Mike Brown really wasn't in the store that day. That was video from another day when Mike Brown was in the store. Oh, Trayvon Martin really wasn't killed where he was killed. He was killed somewhere else, and his body was taken there. Oh, it wasn't really George Zimmerman that killed him. It was somebody else. They never talk about solutions to solve problems in the African American mm. community. They just come up with they just come up with conspiracy theories, so they don't have to deal mm-hmm. with the problem. So we have to be very careful about that mm. because conspiracy theories become an excuse for black people not to do anything about their conditions. Okay. So uh, what's mm. going on with these judges? I'm not sure. I like to get the facts just like when we had uh, back in uh, June of 2015, I think it was June, July, when you had a rash of af- uh, fires at African-American churches and uh, everybody yeah. said, Oh, it's the Klan burning down the churches. It's the Klan burning down the churches. And I said, well, no, we need to do the research. So I went and did the research, and I looked at the uh, National Fire and uh, I think it's National Fire and Prevention Association. And, you know, only 16% of church fires are arson related, 30% are because of cooking utensils, 4% are because of lightning strikes. You know, a lot of people don't know that you have 1,700 fires at churches and houses of worship and funeral homes every year, somewhere on average about 31, 32 a week. Okay, so when when all was said and done, we saw one we saw one church fire of African American church was a lightning strike because the fire burned from the top down, and there were reports, there were documented reports of lightning strikes in that area. We saw there was one African American man who was charged with two of them, uh, two of the fires. We saw that these were fires in different states, different denominations, totally unrelated. It wasn't the Klan burning these down? You know, in, in most of these instances, okay? So we, so a lot of people just want to go with conspiracy theories. I don't know what they're doing. Thank you for using so, Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. But we, but we, need, to deal, but we, need, to deal with, uh, we need to deal with facts and evidence as much as possible. Now, are you still there? Okay, I think we lost some more. Okay. I think we lost some more. Uh, what we'll do is, just a second, let me get some more on. Uh, we'll get him on my network and, uh, uh, hold on. I think they, uh, ran out of time on their, uh, on their network. Just a second. Let me send him, uh, okay. So those just tuning in, Hey, you listening to the Michael M. Hotep show. Uh, this was a, uh, um, Dr. Samori Swiger on source nation, uh, radio on blog talk was doing an interview with me. And I was broadcasting it here on my YouTube channel, on Facebook Live, and uh, um, on on my show here on Blog Talk Radio, on our channel, the African History Network. Uh, so what we'll do is have them call in here, 904-338-1375, press number one key. So we'll have them call in. He can finish his comments, okay? So how's everybody doing today? Um Okay, what's the topic? Uh, I was being interviewed. We were talking about current events. We were talking about Donald Trump. We were talking about uh, an agenda for African Americans. Uh, we were talking about understanding politics. Um, we were dealing with a number of different topics here. And um, you can listen. We'll post the link here again for the information. 
All right. So how's everybody doing today? Okay, so he's going to call in here in a minute. Hey, this is Michael M. Hotel, founder of the African History Network. Hey, I want to let you know to uh, uh, register for our uh, online class uh, for tomorrow, uh, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Okay. And um, you can visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, we have the information there. I think we have Dr. Samori Swigert on the line, so just hold the line just a minute here. Uh, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, we have... Um, we have the information there, and then also we'll post a link here on the thread of the broadcast as well, okay? We'll post a link here on the thread of the broadcast uh, also. All right, let's bring him on here. Um, all right, hey, is this Dr. Samori Swigert? Yes, sir. How you doing, Brother Motep? All right, I'm all right, man. I'm all right. So um, go ahead with your... Uh, Go ahead with the rest of your questions. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, so we were talking about the, the deaths of the two black judges, but the, the other thing I want to um, get your your position on, there were some, you know, these, these two high-profile shootings. You had the, well, the two high-profile shootings and mental health in the African-American community. Um, you had this one brother who I think was on this Easter Sunday who, you know, Shot and killed, allegedly shot and killed this uh, this man in uh, in Ohio, and allegedly killed other people. Um, but you see, you know that went viral, and, and definitely we don't condone, we don't endorse, uh, we don't co- co-sign that type of behavior. Um, and then we had this other brother that um, just came and I guess you know shot. Uh, I guess these three white people saying, you know, he didn't like white people and he shot them. And I'm curious, do you think that the media is going to take these high-profile shootings and use that as propaganda to perpetuate that, quote-unquote, law and order argument of Donald Trump to fuel the prison industry complex? Or do you think that this will just die down? Right-wing media is going to use it to fuel Donald Trump's law and order platform. Right-wing media would do that. Now, mm-hmm. uh, more liberal media like MSNBC, uh, I don't think they're going to do that. And I watch MSNBC every day. I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't seen them do they, they report on it, but they don't sensationalize it. Now, right-wing media, Fox News, yeah, they'll jump, <laughs> they'll jump all over. They'll jump all over that, okay? And but they won't. They want. They want. They will not talk about really when white supremacists kill African Americans, like James mm-hmm. Harris Jackson in New York, uh, about, oh, yeah. three, about weeks ago. See, they right. won't. They won't talk about that. All right. Right. Uh, but they, they'll they'll jump on this case here, um, and with uh, Steve Stevens in uh, um, or Steve Stevenson in Cleveland. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, there's no evidence that he killed other people. Uh, police searched; they couldn't find any any evidence that he killed other people. Uh, mm-hmm. It's clear it's clear that he was mentally disturbed. And also, 
what a lot of people don't know is that he worked um, at a mental health institution for children who were foster who are foster children. Okay, and mm-hmm. in one of the videos that he recorded, he said that uh, he listens to people's problems all the time at mm-hmm. uh, at that job. But he said when it came time for people to listen to his problems, there was nobody to listen to his problems. Okay. Mm. So, um, so mental health is extremely important. The, the brother in Fresno, California, who killed, uh, allegedly killed three white men and, and, and allegedly uh, was said, he went by the name Black Jesus, and he said he was trying to kill white men. He, uh, there was social media posts talking about hating white people, things like this. Uh, there was an article from uh, NBCNews.com where his, his attorney is uh, saying basically that uh, he uh, has some mental issues. OK, and uh, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't doubt that at all, um, that he has some mental issues. But uh, mental health is uh, a problem. Now, uh, people could check out this article from uh, NBCNews.com. Three dead in Fresno shooting spree suspect in custody. This is from yesterday because I talked about this last night on my show. Um, three dead in Fresno shooting spree suspect in custody. Uh, his name is Corey Ali Muhammad. Um, so, so they, so they talk about, um, uh, him, uh, appears to have some type of mental illness. Now, what people really have to understand is that a lot of the social ills that we deal with in society are the results of bad laws, bad policy. Okay. So when, when you have funding for mental health institutions cut by politicians and they close mental health institutions, and then you have mentally ill people out on the street. And then funding for police is cut, and, they, and they're not giving training on how to deal with mentally ill people and how to understand the different types of mental illnesses. And they end up shooting and killing somebody who's mentally ill because they've never been trained on how to deal. Because dealing with mentally ill people is totally mm-hmm. different than dealing with regular people. Yeah. That's, that's something totally different. And you have to be trained on the different types of mental illnesses and how to how to how to uh, detect those different types of mental illnesses so you know how to engage with this person. Well, when your funding is being cut by politicians and they tell you to keep that stuff over there, keep it away from me where I live. And then when it blows up, then these same politicians want to grandstand and talk about what type of investigation they're going to have and things like this. No, a lot of the social ills that we deal with are the results of bad policy. So this is why this is why understanding politics and also voting and putting the right people in office and firing those who are screwing you over is so extremely important. Because when you rise up and fire them, you send a clear message that you're not going to allow them to mistreat you anymore. And it also sends a message that you're watching what they're doing. And that's the last thing crooks want. That's the last thing they want. The, the, one, one of the main things politicians fear besides a federal investigation, is losing their seat, especially in a landslide, because that's humiliating. And they still have to walk mm-hmm. around that city. Okay, and everybody knows they just got their behinds kicked in the last election. And you also send a clear message to the person you're putting in office that if you screw us over, we took this last person out, we'll take you out also. And we're going to watch you, we're going to show up to the meetings, we're going to give you, call your office, we're going to send you emails. Okay, you're not going to treat us like this other person. All right. So, we, so other people understand 
the power of their vote. And, and, and if you look at this last election, you had uh, 14 new states, I think it was, to have voter ID laws, very uh, uh, suppressive, oppressive voter ID laws. Texas and North Carolina had two of the most egregious. You had lawsuits filed. They're going to court to keep these to enforce these uh, uh, voter ID laws. So if if your vote was not important, if it didn't matter, why would people go to such extreme measures to keep you from voting? Exactly. Very true. Very true. You know, um, and now that you say that too, uh, Brother Motep, I think it's important that we, and you you probably, your audience is probably definitely aware because I know you're constantly um, putting out information that keeps people informed. But we, we probably need to do a show on all of the various, like as Steve Coakley would say, name names of these various organizations that are behind all this stuff. Like, you know, you have like um, ALEC, um, you have like the Heritage Foundation. Um, whether you want to talk about websites, you have um, Stormfront. Um, you said there was the one that uh, was it National Policy Institute that um, – Richard Spencer was behind. Um, yeah, just, yeah, National you know, so, Policy Institute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so people will know because they watch us. You know, they watch us. So we need to start advocating and, and putting together our own watchdog groups and develop our advocacy groups and, and, and see what's on the horizon. Like, look, this is what these people are talking about, and we have to keep our eyes on them because they are crafting and designing these laws behind closed-door meetings, and so you end up with these stand-your-ground laws, these different voter ID laws, and, and just, you know, things like that will uh, embolden the private prison industry and things of that nature. So, um, I mean, that would be right. a great show. Mm, that would be a great okay. show. Yeah, well, just let me know when you want to do that. We can do that because I have information on all of that. I've done uh, presentations dealing with the prison industrial complex. Just very quickly, Judge Gorsuch, right? Judge yes, Neil yes. Gorsuch. He was picked by the Heritage Foundation. A list, a list was given to Donald Trump. Neil Gorsuch was picked by the Heritage Foundation. In many ways, he's more conservative than Antonin Scalia, who he was replacing. And this is one of the fundamental mistakes, man. Now, now let me and, and I'm gonna get back to you. I'm gonna get back to that subject. Uh, we'll talk about Alec briefly, and we'll talk about privatized prisons. We have to talk about privatized prisons because they play a part right now. And they played a part in the election. So uh, one of the mistakes people made was, like I said, in this last election, and it was Hillary Clinton and, and Donald Trump, people got caught up on personality and conspiracy theories and fake news articles. Now, one question people should ask, where are all these fake news websites now that were posting all these fake news articles that were negative about Hillary Clinton during the campaign? Where are these websites now? Most of those websites been taken down because they were fake news websites. A lot of them originated from Russia. Some of them coming from Macedonia or, Lu- or Yugoslavia, mm-hmm. one of those places. Okay. Uh, the other thing is, is that uh, when you look at uh, uh, a lot of people, when they were looking at who to vote for, they didn't take into account the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And uh, the ne- the next president is going to probably appoint in their first term two to three people, not counting Gorsuch, because that was a holdover from Obama. 
Okay. No, you got some old people on the Supreme Court, uh, Anthony Kennedy, uh, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, and, and some other ones. So, so Trump is going to uh, appoint probably two to three, possibly additional people in this first term or whoever's going to take over from him. Cause I don't think he's going to make it to the end of the year. Tell you the truth. I think he's going to be forced to resign, uh, based hmm. upon, based upon information I'm looking at. I've been looking at for months. Because I was saying for months, Russia was behind this. I read the crowd strike report and fidelity report months ago before the election took place. Okay. Mm. And this stuff is coming out now because we, we found out uh, a few weeks ago that the FBI launched an investigation into the Donald Trump campaign and their ties to Russia back in July 2016. They launched that investigation back in July. Now, they didn't say it publicly. We found out publicly when. Uh, uh, FBI Director James Comey testified in front of the uh, uh, U.S. Uh, uh, Senate Intel Committee. That's when we found out that they right. lost an investigation back in July. Okay, and the other thing that a lot of people don't know is that the 35-page dossier that former MI6 uh, agent Christopher Steele, the dossier he compiled, he turned that dossier over to the FBI last summer. It was around July when he turned it over to the FBI. And then they started making mm. inquiries, and they're going to launch an investigation. So I'm telling, I've been telling people because I'm just studying this stuff. This is mm-hmm. much deeper than what what people. I'm looking at the declassified information, and it's scaring the hell out of me. I'm looking at declassified mm. information. So the classified information is much worse. Okay. Mm. So and then we see the people around him and all these ties to Russia. We see Carter Page. We just saw that uh, it was revealed that Pfizer warrants were uh, issued for uh, Carter Page. We see that J.D. Gordon, somebody else in the uh, Trump campaign, uh, was the one who actually got the Republican National Committee to change their platform when it came to arming Ukraine to fight against Russia. He got them to change that platform, which benefited Russia. We see Paul Manafort and his issues with Russia. Now he's going to have to file to be retroactively a foreign agent. We see that Donald Trump had to fire his national security advisor, Michael, Lieutenant Ooh. General Michael Flynn, after 24 days on the job because of his ties yes. to uh, Russia as well as Turkey. This dude was a foreign right. agent for Turkey. You know? right. So now, the, now what people don't really understand is that only white people could get away with some stuff like this? Only this is this is the this is the epitome of white privilege, especially old white male privilege. Only white people could do some stuff like this. President Obama could not do one tenth of this and stay in oh, office. Definitely not. Definitely not. But let me ask you this question, though, brother Motel. What, what do you think is the what do you think is the end game? Because they're they're carrying on these communications, right? With with you know Russian connects, let's just say, um, are they trying to get the inside? There was something uh, I don't know if it was MSNBC. There was something I was watching. It was a news network. They had published some new untapped oil reserve, um, and we know that uh, was it Rex Tillerson? He was with Exxon. Right. What, right. What, what does mm-hmm. what 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 does Trump stand to gain. I mean, aside from him probably taking money because of his bankruptcy status in America and him needing funding, um, so him seeking external extrinsic funding from outside sources, what do you think is to gain 
that they're reaching out to Russia out of all countries. Because, you know, we always had that whole, you know, Cold War adversarial arch enemy nemesis relationship with Russia. What would be that impetus, do you think? Well, I will reverse the question. Um, Is not Trump reaching out to Russia? Is Russia reaching out to Trump because he's been compromised? I think Trump has been Mm -hmm. compromised. And those in the intelligence community, many of them like uh, Malcolm Nance, uh, who you see on MSNBC and News One Now with Roland Martin, they think that when Trump was in Russia in 2013 for the Miss Universe pageant, he was compromised, and they think he's being blackmailed. And if you re- and if you research David Korn, who writes for Mother Jones, David Korn was the one who broke this story back in October 2016 about Christopher Steele about this in uh, about this dossier things like this about Donald Trump and uh, David Korn said that uh Christopher the reason why Christopher still turned the dossier over to the FBI is because what he was finding out went beyond somebody being compromised and being able to be blackmailed it went to the level of espionage and treason Okay, so it is people people have to understand about uh, Vladimir Putin are two things. Number one, Vladimir Putin is the former head of the KGB, which is their mm-hmm. which is the Ru- Russian spy agency. And, and, and now it's called something else. It used to be the KGB. He, he was the former head of the KGB. He's also the richest man in the world. He's worth in excess of eighty five billion dollars. Okay, this Ooh. is the other thing. And, 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 and he has taken control of people's businesses in Russia. Uh, we know uh, uh, oil is a natural resource in Russia. So there's a connection between Tillerson, who Trump did not know prior to the election. From my understanding, Trump did not know uh, uh, Rex Tillerson before the election. Rex Tillerson has no experience in business. He doesn't have foreign policy experience representing a country. No, so how no, does he does become Secretary of State? How does this guy become Secretary of State, and why is the budget for the Secretary of State be being cut so severely? Why doesn't this guy have media around him to report like uh, uh, John Kerry did and other Secretary of State did? So when you start looking at this and you start putting the pieces together, you start seeing behind you, – you, you see these connections to Vladimir Putin – and Sergei Kislyak, the Russian ambassador to the U.S. That's usually what's at the center. Okay, and uh, this in down, I think Donald Trump is the, the real Manchurian candidate, and policies are being implemented to benefit Russia. Vladimir Putin wants to get sanctions lifted uh, 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 off of Russia, different things like this. So the, uh, these are things that you see, and this is really a kleptocracy. A kleptocracy is a government ran by the worst people. You have a kleptocracy, you have nepotism, all this mm-hmm. stuff taking place, and this and it, it's a house of it's a house of cards that is about to fall. It's a house of cards that is about to fall, and only white people could do some stuff like this and get this far. Do you think this is why Edward Snowden, when he turned coat, snitching and revealing all the sensitive data? Uh, that could destabilize the intelligence community of America. Do you think that's why he sought temporary asylum in Russia? Out of all the places in the world that he possibly could go, he went to Russia. Do you think that there's something? Because to me, some of this this Russian connection and just there's something there, but I cannot put my finger on it, and I'm trying to connect the dots. 
but I don't know if I'm connecting them properly. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's why I went there because Russia is an adversary of the U.S. And by him revealing those secrets, it, it hurts the uh, it hurts the U.S. intelligence community. Okay, by him doing that, which then emboldens um, uh, Vladimir Putin. But one of the things Putin is doing is using Trump to sow seeds of distrust in the research collected by the intelligence community and also so see the distrust in the uh, democratic election as well and the results mm-hmm. of the election. Okay. This is, yeah. this is what Putin, this is what Putin, uh, uh, what Putin uh, was trying to do. One of the things Putin was trying to do also. Okay. So, um, and we do, and, 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 and they favored Trump over Hillary Clinton um, Hillary Clinton, uh, back in 2011, accused, uh, if I remember correctly, accused Vladimir Putin of having a, um, uh, a, a, a fake or undemocratic election, a fake uh, undemocratic election, something like that. And, uh, he, and he felt that uh, uh, Hillary Clinton would be worse for him than Trump. Well, he, knew, he, know, he knows Trump is an idiot and doesn't understand foreign policy. He knows that. Mm-hmm. OK, and they they're they're manipulating Trump. They have some type of leverage on him. The other thing is, is believe that Trump owes Russia a lot of money. OK, we know he mm-hmm. owes, owes, we know he owes Deutsche Bank three hundred million dollars. That's his largest creditor. We know he couldn't get any more money from banks here in the U.S. OK, we also know now if you look at Preet Bharara, the U.S. attorney to Manhattan that was fired. OK, right. After he was asked mm-hmm. to stay on, uh, one of the case now, Trump Towers in Manhattan is was in Preet Bharara's district. Number one, number two, one of the things Preet Bharara was investigating was Deutsche Bank because Deutsche Bank laundered ten billion dollars in Russian money. Ooh. Now they had they had to pay a fine to the U.S. government, but. Um, uh, there were some other charges that Preet Bharara was investigating involving Deutsche Bank, which is Donald Trump's largest competitor. So is it possible that somebody at Deutsche Bank picked up the phone and told Donald Trump to fire this guy that's investigating them? And it just so happens that this guy is his district includes Trump Tower. And the other thing is, is that um, uh, Preet Bharara was also investigating the sexual harassment lawsuit settlements that Fox News settled because when they settled these lawsuits and they recorded it, it was reported today. They recorded it as income as opposed to lawsuits, which violates the SEC regulations because Fox is a tr- publicly traded company. So that type of information is supposed to be disclosed to your shareholders. Mm-hmm. But it was but it was recorded as income for these women as opposed to lawsuit settlements, which shareholders are supposed to know about. Well, Preet Bharara was investigating that as well. So we know that Roger Ailes, who was pushed out of Fox News, who mm-hmm. was the founder of Fox News, he was pushed out for sexual harassment allegations and uh, millions of dollars were paid out. We know he's good friends with Donald Trump. And then... It was rumored that Donald Trump wanted to replace Preet Bharara with Roger L's attorney 
as U.S. as U.S. attorney in uh, Manhattan. Hmm. So when, when you when you do the research hmm. on this stuff, man, start putting these pieces together, you see corruption on the whole. This is this is gangster mafia stuff. I mean, Trump yeah. makes the mafia look like Boy Scouts, man. This is corruption <laughs> on the whole level. I'm never I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, I've never seen I've never seen anything like this, man. And and it's a it's you know, a house of cards that's about to fall. I was saying that earlier on my show. I said, you know, I, I've never, never seen, you know, in, in 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 all my life that I've been on this earth, this this election season and current administration and all their dealings, this looks almost like a a circus political circus, political reality show. It's just, it's one thing after another. It's just like, where does it stop? Where does it end? Where does it start? And people, and the more and more you just start turning over stones, you just start saying, this person is interrelated here. This person is linked here. But I just wonder where where does it stop? You know, where where, where does the buck stop? You know? Um Right, yeah, I, I understand. Well, the reason, one of the reasons why there's one thing after another is because Trump is a manipulator, and to take attention off of one crisis, he creates another crisis. But it's going to uh, the the investigations that are taking place. There are at least three, uh, and see, the FBI has one also, and that is uh, really going to be devastating. Uh, the FBI investigation because that one started. Uh, back in July. Okay, that one started back in July. All right, so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there, there's going to be an ending point, and just like, um, just like, uh, what's his name, Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon resigned from office. Okay, Richard Nixon resigned from office, uh, and Donald Trump does not want to be impeached because he does not want to be put on trial. Because if he's put on trial, then he's going to be under oath. And the last thing a pathological liar wants to happen is that they're under oath with the penalty of perjury. Okay. Right. So um, uh, there, there, there's going to be an ending point and people uh, have to keep protesting, keep paying attention, putting pressure on members of the House of Representatives. We see members of the U.S. Senate like uh, uh, Jody uh, uh Harris today, I think it was, uh, the U.S. Senator, uh, we see some of the senators, they can't keep covering for Trump anymore. They, they, we see some of them starting to turn, and they can't side with him anymore. Spending between $3 million and $3.6 million each weekend, he goes to Mar-a-Lago Mar for trust yes. and, 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 and for security. They, they, they see that they can't keep justifying this anymore. And they're starting to turn on him, okay? And this is going to, this is going to continue because a lot even people who voted for Trump are starting to become disenchanted with them and realize that he lied to them, okay? And they saw that with uh, the health care. You had so many people who found out that Obamacare and Affordable Health Care Act were the same thing because they were so ignorant they didn't know that. Right, right. That was so, a very – yep, yeah, so this thing, this, this, this there's going to be an end. This thing is going to come to an end, man. And uh, and and this is why midterm elections are so important. And this is why it's important for people to vote for policies 
uh, as opposed to personalities as well. Brother Imhotep, you know, first of all, I want to make sure that I definitely say thank you for just even having me as a guest in your show. You know, very, very yeah, no problem. good platform, very things subscribe to. Um, you always post relevant material about African history. Um, and it's making me think, because I went book shopping this weekend, and <clears throat> I picked up one of the books from uh, San Coco Bookstore in D.C., and it made me think about where we are right now under the Trump administration. You know, I could say North Korea. I could say Russia. I could say China. I could say Cuba. I could say Iran. And all these countries, you know, they ring bells uh, when we just think about what's happening on a geopolitical scale. But then I purchased a book by Amos Wilson, and the title of the book is African-Centered Consciousness Versus the New World Order, Garveyism in the Age of Globalism. And I haven't cracked it yet, but I've heard people talk about it, and the title, it gripped me immediately. Um, And so I guess I'm asking you, with all that's going on in the world, you know, all these different countries and, and the different interactions and how we're engaging this one and putting sanctions on this one and X, Y, and Z, sending weapons inspectors over to Iran, and are we going to lift embargoes on Cuba? And do we need to do as blacks in America or Africans in America or melanoid people in America and our fellow brethren and sisters? back in the continent, you know, because everybody else is scrambling. You know, we have the Chinese that in various countries in Africa, they're extracting the resources, they're building the infrastructure, they're, mar- they're intermarrying Africans. They're doing a whole bunch of things. They need, they're mining all of our natural resources in Africa um, that they use for all the different machineries and equipments and engineering. Thinking about that title, African-centered consciousness versus New World Order, Garvey's in the Age of Globalism, what comes to your mind? Like, should we even be paying attention to all of this, or should we be looking at it from a different perspective? Well, we we have to pay attention to it definitely because it definitely impacts us. Uh, it definitely impacts us. Uh, we're dealing with reallocation of resources. We're dealing with laws uh, that are put in place that impact us, whether you're talking about the Affordable Care Act or the attempted repeal of it, whether you're talking about um, uh, dollars spent uh, for military efforts, dollars spent uh, or reallocated in the budget. We just saw the budget from Donald Trump. We saw programs, uh, I think it was about $4 billion uh, proposed cut in Pell Grants. We saw uh, a proposed uh, shutting down of the public broadcasting system, okay, which mm. has a lot of good educational mm. programming. This is, I mean, all you have to do is look at that budget, that proposed budget that tells you where his priorities are, but that gives you an example of how politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth pound resources. These are programs being funded, um, uh, $54 billion, billion set aside for uh, the military. And then he's trying to get billions of dollars to build the wall that he lied to his followers and told them that Mexico was going to pay for that wall. Now come to find out, no, your mama's going to pay for this wall and you're going to pay for this wall. After he right. campaigned and told them Mexico was going to pay for the wall, President uh, 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 Nito uh, or Nino of Mexico said, we're not paying for that wall. 
Okay, and and, and the idiots <laughs> believed him. Idiots believed him, and now they're getting hung with the bill. Okay, so mm-hmm. it's extremely important, but it's also important for African Americans to have agendas, to have plans. Uh, an agenda is not so- just something that you present to somebody else; it's something for your people to operate based upon. So we know what we're supposed to be doing as well. Okay. And yes, you have to push these issues on a local, state, and national level, but it's also an agenda for your people also deals with our economic engagement, supporting our own businesses. It deals with education. It deals with the type of institutions we should be building. So an agenda is not just something we push to other people to to push our issues and to get something tangible in exchange for our vote, but it also is a roadmap that tells us what we should be doing as well to, 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 to bring it to fruition, what we want also. Mm. Okay. Okay. So let's do this, brother. brother. Let's do this. I got to wrap up, man, because I got to do a a radio interview at seven in the morning, man, here in Detroit. And I have to drive to the radio station. Yeah. So uh, let people know when your show's on, uh, Samori. Uh, yes, once again, it's a pleasure to be on the African History Network channel, um, the Ball Talk Radio Show. My name is Dr. Samori Swaggart, a.k.a. Dr. Swag. Um, I am on blogtalkradio.com forward slash source radio, and I'm on every Wednesday at 8 p.m., every Wednesday at 8 p.m. That's where they can find me. My website, if you just want to reach out, I'll update it every now and then, um, blackladder.net. Black like the ladder, black like the color, ladder like the tool you climb. Dot net. It is not a dot com. Um, Twitter is docswag06, D-O-C-S-W-A-G-G-06. Um, and once again, it's always a pleasure, man. Um, uh, I remember uh, Brother Emotep, as a caller, I used to always listen to uh, Warren Ballantyne's show. Um, Brother Emotep was oh, always okay. calling in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always calling in, kicking the facts. I was, I was like, man, who is this guy? You know, and, uh, you know, just right. seeing you coming in and just rising and constantly providing great quality content, you know. So so it's it's just it's good to just be here and just kick it with your brother, soak up and share. So that's it. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. That's how I got on the empowerment radio network, man. Uh, calling in a warm Valentine show. Cause I was, I was already doing blog talk radio. Now what, what type of, uh, what's your uh, doctorate degree in? What type of doctor are you? So I'm a doctor, a doctor of pharmacy. I'm a critical care pharmacist. So I work in the hospital. I'm not your Rite Aid. I'm not your CVS. I'm a critical care pharmacist. So I work in the ICUs, uh, side by side with the doctors, nurses, and respiratory therapists. Um, we design drug regimens and therapies for patients that are in the ICU, whether they have infectious disease or they just have some type of autoimmune disease or just different uh, type of ailments. So that's um, that's what my doctor of pharmacy is. I got that from Howard University, uh, residency trained also. So, yep. All right, excellent, excellent. Well, look, man, uh, uh, thanks for uh, interviewing me tonight on your show, and thanks for coming on uh our show also, and we have to do this again as well, okay? Okay, no doubt, brother. Take care, man. Have a good night. All right, peace. Peace. All right, guys, look, I got to get out here. I have to, you know, every Thursday I do uh, Steve Hood's radio show on 9, 10 a.m., the Superstation here in Detroit, WFDF, and um, uh, I have to do his show tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., and I'm working on... um, 
pulling together the content for the show. So, um, and I have to teach a class, online class tomorrow night, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. So you can register for that class. Uh, we have the information at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can also, uh, uh, those watching on Facebook, uh, we just posted the link for the information. You can register there as well. Um, understand uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Maafa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Now, Facebook, I don't know why the feed keeps going in and out. Usually it doesn't act up like this. I don't know. Usually it acts up on YouTube. YouTube hasn't given me any problems tonight. Facebook is acting up. I don't know why. I have no idea. We're broadcasting on Facebook and YouTube. Those watching us on YouTube, how are you all doing tonight? Uh, go to AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for the uh, um, live international online class we're doing tomorrow night. It's an eight-hour course. It's uh, four consecutive Thursdays, four consecutive Thursdays, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We do a thousands of years of history. And we deal with the transatlantic slave trade chronologically. We deal with African people being indigenous to this land, being here at least 51,700 years. We deal with the 800-year occupation by Europe, uh, by the Africans known as the Moors. Um, we deal with uh, Christopher Columbus and his four voyages and uh, what um, Columbus, uh, the, how uh, the Moors set Columbus up to sell on his four voyages and how Columbus uh, and his discovery, his discoveries of the lands, Jamaica, Haiti, Puerto Rico, Cuba, Panama, Honduras, et cetera, how that laid the foundation, helped help lay the foundation for slavery, racism, capitalism, and the exploitation of indigenous people, okay? So the course is only $40 for all four sessions. Uh, it's there, All the sessions are recorded. You can watch it anytime. They're all recorded. You can go back and watch it over and over again. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Uh, so we have the information at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and then um, also uh, those watching on Facebook, we just we posted the information here on the thread. You can watch it there as well. Okay. So these other topics we got to get to, uh, like tomorrow night we'll talk about Bill. Well, I don't know if I'll be able to broadcast tomorrow. I, I got to figure it out. I have to do Steve Hood's show in the morning. I have to teach the class tomorrow. That's at least three and a half hours. So. Uh, I may be able to broadcast for an hour tomorrow before the before the class at 7 p.m. We may be able to broadcast tomorrow at 6 p.m. I have to figure it out. I don't know because I'm not exactly sure what time I'm getting to bed tonight. Hopefully, I can get to bed by midnight, okay? All right, and then also, you know, we have uh, uh, all of my DVD lectures at our website also, and we have the Hidden Colors Family Bundle Pack. Get all four installments of Hidden Colors and um, get four of my DVD lectures and uh, one installment, the Afro Man, the protect us of the Book of Knowledge. You get all that uh, for one low price. Check that out. Uh, use uh, right now. Spend one hundred dollars or more, get twenty percent off your entire order. Use coupon code um, March twenty seventeen promo. March twenty seventeen promo. All right, look, we got to get out of here. Hey, remember on the uh, Michael M. Hotep show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now, it corrects wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.
Let me live, let me breathe, let me be me. 